just in the right place. Alright, good morning everyone and welcome to Concord Baptist Church. I'm so excited to be here among um, friends and especially my family. I have my parents in the back there, so I'm really excited to have them here. Um, but I want to start off by saying if my voice sounds not as loud as usual, I mean the mic is carrying it. If it doesn't, I was a camp counselor for the past week to a group of fourth to sixth grade boys where they lost their toothbrush, three of them lost their toothbrush in a week, they ate leaves, they, um, one of them took a bath in the sink, and it was just a week of chaos and running around and trying to keep track of 13 boys. So especially to you parents of fourth to sixth grade boys, y'all are a blessing. I don't know how you do it. It is so hard. I I don't know what y'all did. I don't know what y'all do. I was lost by Tuesday. So y'all, y'all, y'all have a true calling that is far greater than any calling that I've received. But you guys are truly blessed. Um, as Eric said, my name is Matthew. I'm the new family pastor here at Concord. I am a resident of Prince Edward County. I graduated Prince Edward County High School in 2016. My parents both met in the Navy, and I was born in Newport News, where I lived in Virginia Beach until my dad retired in 2006. And so then we kind of came up here. I started in Prince Edward, and I attended Warson Baptist Church for many of my formative years, where I met some people who are now congregants here, such as Mary Huddleston, and so it was great to know them. Um, my calling came kind of at the age of 14. I was at, at a camp, and Jay Rebsman, who was the old family pastor at Thomas Rose, was our speaker, and as he was talking, I felt the Lord kind of press on me there that student ministry was my calling. But as I kind of grew, I knew it wasn't just student ministry because student ministry is such a small portion of ministry as a whole, when in fact there's ministry to the whole family that is needed. But today what I want to talk about is a bridge between generations. I think so often we have this unnecessary war that goes between an older generation and a younger generation that doesn't necessarily need to be there because we tend to stay away from each other. So what I hope to do to you for you guys today is introduce you to this generation, this younger generation. Um, if I had two weeks to make it a series, then I would flip it around and I'd introduce you guys to them. It'd be really fun. And so as I do that, I want you to kind of open up your minds a little bit, open up your hearts to this generation. I hope I can share my heart for this generation and what they mean to me. Um, as I start, I want to introduce you to a camper I had in 2019. His name is Ian. Ian was a great kid. He had blue hair. Um, and the blue hair would have been enough for me to push away maybe a minute to say, all right, I probably should stay away. Because after all, kids with colored hair probably have some sort of trouble somewhere in their background. They have to. I mean, they have blue hair. Who dyes their hair blue? Anyway, as I sit there and I think that, I remember just being that seventh grade middle school boy and being just unsure of myself and unsure of where I was. And there's something about camp where you're like, okay, well, I have to push in anyway. I'm the counselor. It's my job to push in. So I guess I'll push in. And as the week went on, Ian had an energy about him. He had a nervousness about him. But he was always doing his best to prove his best. He had a camp crush who she led him on. And I felt so bad for him. 
she let him on for a while, but gosh, he was in that camp love and nothing was going to stop him. And so it came to about a Wednesday night and we're getting ready for lights out. And he comes to me, he says, hey, Matt, can we talk? And so he pulls me aside. We sit at the foot of my bed, 30 minutes. He's like, yeah, middle school is tough. And so we start talking through middle school and just life of that. We share stories, we share back and forth. But more importantly than that, the most important thing he shared that week, he was like, I also accepted God this week. I was like, that is amazing. And as we shared that moment, I was starting to see him deeper. I was starting to really realize who he was and start to connect with who he was. There was, there was more than just the kid with blue hair because that was a part of him, but there was so much deeper. He was trying to navigate middle school. He was trying to navigate friendships and people in his life. And where was he going to go next? What was life going to look like next? And for Ian, what life looked like next was stepping into a new identity with Christ. And in that moment, I remember thinking to myself, you know, never again will I see a kid come on Sunday morning and arrive, even if he looked different and think, man, that kid probably isn't worth my time. Because at that moment on Wednesday night, the Lord, on that Wednesday night, the Lord convicted me and said, I brought him here. I put him in your cabin, in your place, in your care so that you can impact him. And so often we kind of sit and we can say um, from a distance that, you know, teenagers, they're teenagers and they do these things. And, oh, if only all teenagers did what this one teenager did on the Internet and we can watch it from a distance. But I am here to tell you today, I have worked alongside teenagers who have volunteered weeks of their summers as lifeguards, as OAs, as dishwashers, literally. They just wash dishes all day, serving food to hungry and tired counselors slash hungry and tired campers, and given up a whole summer to serve the Lord in ways that are beyond any capacity that I would have ever seen. And so as we step into this, I'm going to kind of just introduce our youth, and I'm going to kind of talk through Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, where Paul addresses Timothy, and he addresses um, the people in his life and the calling that has been placed on Timothy as a young man. And so as we start, I want to kind of start with that question. Who are our youth? So early on in my education, I learned that 50% of our students are mentally leaving the church by age 12. And by mentally leaving, I don't mean that it's exactly what it sounds like. They're deciding at age 12, which is sixth grade, that church probably isn't for me. So they'll show up on Wednesdays. They'll show up on Sundays, on Saturdays. But mentally, they're not with us. And if we have them in the seats, but we don't have them here mentally, and we don't have their minds, and we don't have their hearts, there's really not much we can do. And so as we develop ministry towards youth, and we need to develop ministry towards kids that will reach them before they get to that 12-year-old age. And so we are at a spot where we are saying, what can we do for children's ministry and for youth ministry that won't just make it a babysitting service, but will make it an actual, actual ministry to reach that generation and to put them in a space where they will reach out and serve. So as we kind of go through this, I'm going to kind of give you some stats, some things about youth. And then I'll give you a how-to because, you know, it's one thing to hear stats. It's another thing to be like, okay, what can we do next? And so according to research by Global Youth Culture, today's youth, even though they are more connected, are more lonely than ever. Um, we see, we've seen it a lot with COVID, and we can say that makes sense. But even before COVID, 
we've had these issues of loneliness. They have phones, they have social media, they have ways to reach out to people, but that means there are also ways for more harm, bullying and stuff to reach into them. In the past three months, 63% of our student of students that were surveyed have said they have experienced loneliness. They have experienced a sense of no one being there, of no one wanting them and no one reaching out. Somewhere in the past three months, 63% of students have said that. 55% of students have experienced high anxiety, while 45% have experienced depression. They have experienced some form of stress that has taken their life, whether it be school, academics, um, pressure from peers, pressures from authority figures to be something, and high anxiety, and just a feeling of hopelessness. And even before COVID, this was still a thing. And so we tend to focus our issues on issues that are still here, but they're not the primary issues for this generation because thir only 13% have said they have taken unprescribed drugs for non-medical purposes and recreational, while 23% have said they've drank enough to be considered drunk. And so we look at our students, and I think sometimes, you know, we can look back on what was struggles in our generations and say, oh, well, we struggled with this, and I mean, that was a really big thing, so it must be the big thing for this generation, when really there's a complete shift. It's this generation, you know, knows the harms of drugs. They know the harms of drinking, but they don't know mentally where their health is. They don't feel like anyone is there to support them or anyone is there that cares about them. They feel alone. They feel isolated, even though the world around them is so connected. They don't feel like there's anyone there for them. So that comes into kind of the next two parts. When it comes to church, they desire two things. Um, our students desire community, and they desire real experiences. 37% of students surveyed have said they personal experiences such as receiving an answer to prayer have led them to change their mind on religious beliefs. All it takes is a real experience. We've spent, I feel, growing up in youth ministries, we spent so much time thinking, how can we program? How can we do things that you know are light or fun or this and that, when really all our students are looking for is experience with God of some sort and in the camping world we see this time and time again when we're out in an old rusty chapel with barely any fans working but you have the mountains in the corner and you're worshiping together and you hear um, middle schoolers and high schoolers full-on worshiping full-on experience God in that moment I've listened to campers as they have asked me questions about issues that are concerning to them and they want to know the truth they want to desire truth they don't want a truth that is beaten around or that is hidden from them because they're going to find it somewhere. And for the church to be the place where they find it is what we want the church to be. We want the church to be a place where truth is found, where truth is reached, and where truth is given. And then we want to celebrate those experiences that they have. You know, when God does answer a prayer, you know, we want to be the first to show that, yes, this is a God who answers prayers. This is a God who you know, gives to the needy and hears the brokenhearted because that is happening so much. And then on the desiring of community, 41% of youth surveyed said they would attend a Christian church service if someone only invited them. All it takes is one person. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be a special event. Just one person saying, I want you here. And when you're here, not only do I want you here, come sit with us here come be with us here come spend time with us the desire for community is so real 
because loneliness is so real in this generation that we often forget that they want real community. Often our students know that internet community and media community can only go so far. And I've seen that in moments where we've had retreats and we've had no phones. I've watched students grow in their community together, not only together, but with their leaders. And they've grown in those moments because for a minute, all their distractions were gone and they could be face to face with someone. Our students desire face to face relationship, face to face interaction, community that sees them face to face and knows their name. And that's such an important part to who we are, to my heart for youth ministry is not only will we do fun things, not only will we be a youth ministry that grows, we won't grow through our programs. We won't grow through how many pies in the faces me or Rick can take. You know, we'll grow through community that reaches out to students where they are and says, come in, come be part of this because there's something here that's bigger than you are. And we want to offer that and we want to show you that. But not only do we want to show you and offer a true God who truly loves you, who truly cares for you, we're going to model it through the community of our church because we're going to be a church that models after you, that loves you, that cares for you, and that sees you where you are. And so with the desired community, we will see them plug in more. We will see them come back. We'll see them not only come back, we'll see them start to bring friends because there's something different about a Christian community. Christian community is enticing it draws you in because it cares about one another it looks out for the best in one another it supports one another where it is christian community isn't community that is normal to the world and that's what makes it so special it's so set apart it's called to be in a new place in a new light and when a student catches a glimpse of that community because the church purposely reaches out to them because the church purposely says we want you here we want you with us we want you with us because we want to show you Jesus, but we also want you with us because you matter to Jesus, so you matter to us. We want you in our services. We want you in our churches. And then, but this one goes the hardest um, for me. Family is still a student's primary influence. I've had a ton of mentors in my life. I've had a ton of men who have poured into me. But without my mom, without my dad, without their faith being lived out every day, I would not be up here today. I couldn't be up here today because I have watched them every day live their faith out. I have watched my dad's schedule, how he purposely schedules time to be in scripture. I've watched that play out. I have watched my mom as she talks about scripture. I've watched my parents do that. And I've had great youth leaders. I've had Chris Cook. Many of you know him. He's a fantastic youth pastor. I've, I've been under great men who have years of ministry experience. But the impact that they made on me will never reach the impact that my parents will make. And as I look at the parents out here with students or with kids, I know that my impact on your kid is only going to be so much. After all, I may only get 40 hours a year with them. You get the rest of the time. And I can only make so much of an impact. In fact, it goes on. 41% say they go to family most often for information or guidance on the family of life, on the meaning of life. 50% say their families are guidance when it comes to morality, so difference between what right and wrong. If mom or dad or grandma or grandpa says this is wrong, then it must be wrong. 36% um, say, uh, say they talk often with parents and guardians about issues that mean matter to them. 
and 45% say they sometimes have those conversations. And if you were to look down the research even more, um, it's even less for youth leaders. It's about 6% of the time they'll have that conversation with us, while 51, while 36% and 45% of the time they're having that conversation with youth because you are their guiding influence. Therefore, the church is to work alongside the family and parents as a partner in, spir in spiritual guidance. We as the church, and this is my call to our parents, we as the church cannot do the important work of spiritual um, growth in your child alone. But we also know you can't either. And so we want to come alongside as partners. We want to be able to resource you. We want to say, here are some things you can ask. Here are some things you can do. We want to give you experiences that you can share together with your child. And you can have those moments together. Because as you grow, as they grow, as you have experiences together, it'll grow all of your faith. Um, and then, as a church, if we love a child's parents, it has the impact to change how they view the church. When the church loves a child's parent, the child can see the church as a place of love because the child loves their parents. And we see in Second Timothy that Paul recognizes the role of the godly family members in the life of Timothy. Second Timothy 1, 3 through 5, Paul goes, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did. With a clear conscience this night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Paul sees the faith that was lived out in the grandma and the mother. And we're talking about Paul here, one of the men who we would say was one of the most influential men in Christianity. He steps aside his role. He says, I've seen the work your grandmother has done. I've seen the work your mother has done. I've seen their faith, and now their faith lives on in you. And since their faith lives on in you, it must be real. And so we see that, and we see here, too, how Paul is filled with joy when he sees Timothy. He talks about recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Often when we think of the younger generation, we think, oh, teenagers, am I right? And we think like that, and we think with this sense of dread, And but if you're just around them for 10 minutes, if you just spend a little bit of time getting to know them, getting to see them where they are, you'll be surprised at their hearts. You'll be surprised at their desire to change the world for the better because they want to see things get better, but they also want to be part of something bigger. And as the church, we have the offer, the opportunity to provide that something bigger. We just got to give them chances. We got to give them places to serve, places to plug in. And so as we go on, we kind of go through, all right, so we have all this information. It's a lot of information. I know. I'm sorry. And um, as we sit here and we go through this and we try to process, I don't want to leave you with information with like, all right, there's information, just sit on it. No, how do we work through this? How do we think through, how do we love students? How do we love families? How do we love children? And so we start by loving them. And there's this idea, and I saw it a couple weeks ago and it made me laugh. It's the idea of liking teenagers but loving God. Because you can love God, but you can not like teenagers. And so, but the idea of liking teenagers, of liking that they're in our circles, of liking that they're around us and they're among us and 
they have their trends and their fads. I mean, we were all teenagers once. We remember the fads of our day. You know, I remember Vines back in 2013, and Mom told me stories of the 80s. And so she she knows her high school fads. And if y'all all thought back long enough, you remember the fads. I Two weeks ago, I worked teen camp, and the fad that started at camp that week was this thing called the Irish Jigsters. It was three of our guys. And they didn't do anything Irish. They didn't do anything that was Jigster related. They just sold a brand. And they literally would tell kids, they would say, hey, if you buy the T-shirt from the craft shop, we will literally draw with Sharpie marker to stick to the guy. It doesn't even look good. But they drew it. And the entire camp, like, people bought, like, blink T-shirts for these three guys to write on. They created a brand in, like, two days. I don't even know how you do that, but they did it. And I remember telling staff, I was like, I'm so mad that that happened, but, like, I can't be that mad because that's really impressive. Like, that's a brand. I, I don't know how you do that in two days. And so they did it, and, you know, there's this idea with teenagers that they have that ability to create something and create it fast and create it well and create it to where it's something that other people want to be a part of and want to do. Teenagers are that lifeline in the church that when we get them in the church, when we get them excited – they bring friends. Their friends bring friends. And we say, hey, we have something to offer here. And that something to offer is love. And that something to offer is an authentic community. And that authentic community does three things. The three things this community does is they see the teenager. This means they know their name. This means they know when they're not here. When they walk in, we can greet them by name and say, hey, how are you doing? And when we text them and ask, are you coming today? And then they're like, yeah, I'm coming, or no, I'm not. We just say, oh, man, I, I can't wait to see you next week. And it's not like, oh, they're just saying that. It's like they can know, and they sense. They're smart enough to sense when we care and when we don't. And so when we care that they're here, when we care that they're not here, not for filling seats, but because we want to see them, because we want to see them in our church, we get to see a whole new light. And that goes into the next one, is we know them. We know the sports they play. We show up sometimes. We go to a game, we go to a marching band thing, we go to a FFA something. You know, we go to all these things simply for the fact that we know that it matters to them. I remember I was talking with Tanner's parents back there, and I said, you know, I, I, if, if Tanner's not there on Saturday night, I 90% of the time know where he is. You know, he's doing something with tractors. And so I know that pretty well. And so when Randy told me yesterday what he was doing, I was like, I'm not surprised. <laughs> and so... But that just comes from knowing them. And I've only been here a couple weeks, but I've been able to pick that up. And teenagers are willing to let you in if you're willing to step in a little bit. It may take time. It may not be comfortable. It probably isn't. It's probably going to be really uncomfortable. But if you take the intentional time to say, I want to know you, tell me a little bit about you. Tell me something about you that I can know, that I can hold on to so I can have that piece of information. And then we love them. We don't treat them as second class. We treat them with purpose. We treat them the way that God treats them. We show them the love of God because we say, hey, you matter to us, and you matter to the church, and you are here to be part of that. And that goes into the knowing them part, which is we don't watch from a distance. We step into their world and show them they matter to us. We vaguely understand TikTok trends. We... um step in and we see where we can help in the schools, where we can be a service to the schools instead of, you know, I think there's a tendency for us to talk down about schools sometimes, 
and say, oh, the schools aren't doing this and this, but we can step into that world and say, where can I help? Where can I volunteer? What can I do? I have this much time I can offer. What can I do to offer this time to you and to help you and to know your students? When we step into their world, we see the school through their eyes. And then once we see the schools and the places that matter to them through their eyes, we can begin to know how to work to help that get better or to help it change for the better. And then we call them to use their gifts and talents the Lord has given them. Um, you know, Paul goes on. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord um, or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and apostle uh, and a teacher. That is why I'm suffering. Uh, yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. We call our kids to use their gifts today. There is no church of tomorrow. Because the church of tomorrow is the church of right now. Our students don't have to wait until they're a certain age or until they get on a certain committee to be part of the church. Why would they do that? They have gifts to use now. They have energy to use now. They have this desire to be part of something bigger. It's there. They want to be a part of it. Let's let them use it. Let's encourage them to use it. Let's let them use the gifts they have when it comes to if we have one who has art ability. And I'm really excited about this one. Um, one of our girls I actually talked with, she's going to help us create our brand because she's going into art at VCU. Samantha, I think, is her name. And she's going to help us create our new brand for our youth ministry. And I'm so excited to see what she'll come up with. And I'm so excited to see how she'll create it, what she'll make it look like. But and once we get it, I'm excited to show it to the church and say, this was made by one of our students. This wasn't made by me. I'm not artistic. It would look terrible if it were made by me. You know, it was made by one of our students. It was made by them because God has gifted them with artistic ability. So instead of trying to figure it out on myself or trying to find a company who can do it, let's let our students use their talents in the church. And so this goes on to the next part because we challenge them. We can't let student ministry, children's ministry, be a place where we just sit, we talk, we send them home. That's child care. That's a different thing. We put them in spaces and situations to share gospel with others. We give them the tools to do it. We say, this is what is needed. This, these are ways you can do it. Here's how. Here's how you can share it with your friends. Here's how you can share it on the mission field. We put them in spaces to share the gospel with others. When they're in these spaces, they will grow. But not only that, their faith becomes their own. Paul talks about how he's not ashamed of being a prisoner because he knows the one who he believes in. He knows the one who will set him free, and he knows where his heart is. We have so many students who just don't know that because they haven't gone through and we haven't given them chances to share. And when we give students chances to share, they grow in their faith simply by knowing what they believe because they've studied it, because they've lived it out, because they've had community around them that has shown them what Christian community looks like. And we put them in spaces to serve others. 
we don't simply let our students get they're ready to work and they desire to be part of something bigger i know i say that a lot but it is so true and i want to make sure every member of this congregation hears it our students desire to be part of something bigger than themselves they want to be part of something that changes the world it's in them it's naturally in us when we're young we want to change the world we want to see better things i know i'm 23 i know i haven't seen so much life but I also know when I think of ministry in Prince Edward County and Buckingham County, there's so much more that can be done because I've seen places do more. And it's not with a lot more money. They've just stepped in and said, what can we do? And when we as the church can step in and say that, and when we can show our children, when we can show our kids, when we can show our youth that they can say that, then it's aimless what we can do. And we can say, this is the bigger purpose. This is serving our community. This is serving the world around us. This is serving our nation. And so the last part is this. We recognize that they cannot wait to be the church of tomorrow. They can't. We, we can't have them wait. Because if we wait, well, we already know. By age 12, if they mentally left, they're not coming back. So why wait? Let's put them in places. Let's give them a chance to serve, to use their gifts, to use what God has given them in their moment to better serve the kingdom but all of this comes together in my heart for students my heart for students is simple we love students we show them that they matter to us here at concord baptist church we bring them in when we bring them in we love them but we don't just love by telling them stories they want to hear we don't just love by telling them stories that feel good we love by telling them stories that challenge them to do more that challenge them to step up that challenge them to be the leaders that god has called them to be in whatever field or calling God has called them to. We show them that God has called you to this. Well, here's how you can show God in that moment. You know, we show them how God is not a God that is just limited to these four walls. We show them how God is so much bigger than these four walls and how they can take that out to their school, to their community, to the nation, and ultimately to the world. I want to see by the time our students leave us at age 18, theoretically, and go off somewhere else, that they are ready to serve wherever they are because they have that heart to serve and that heart for missions because we have instilled in them that desire to be servant leaders, the desire to lead people, but to lead people in a way that serves people. And so as we do that, my question to you as we close is this, and it's a call for help, and I think that's why Rick gave it to me today, but um, will you come alongside us to make an impact on this generation. I can't do this alone, and it doesn't have an age limit. Tw just because I'm 23 doesn't mean I'm beyond qualified. We need older men, we need older women, we need younger men, we need younger women. We need people with a heart to love teenagers, to give them a shot, to give them a space to test their gifts and a safe space to do that. To give them a space to grow, to give them a space to be challenged, to give them a space where they will be loved regardless of how they come to us because we will be the church that loves our students. We will be the church that will see the kingdom grow through our student ministry. And the only way we do that is through being a church that says we love teenagers and we love them enough to pour into them. We love them enough to give them the opportunity to do that. And so, like I said, if you want to come alongside us in the youth ministry or children's ministry please have a conversation with me i can meet up almost whenever if you can't can do it during the week i can speak more to you on this vision on what it is 
And if you're a parent, my encouragement to you is we're ready as a church to come alongside you. You don't have to figure out the spiritual aspect alone because we're willing to be of service to you as parents. We're willing to love on you guys. We're willing to step alongside in that moment as the church. And so will you as the church come alongside the youth ministry, come alongside the children's ministry to make an impact on this generation? Will you stand alongside us? Will you come to us in this moment and say, we will come alongside and we will help out in whatever way we can or how we can. And every gift is needed, you know, but most importantly, if you can just love, that is enough. And every aspect is needed. Programs won't be what drive our youth. We t- they tried that in the early 2000s. It didn't do anything. Love is going to be what keep our youth showing community, showing the real God, the God of the universe, the God who exists, the God who created them, showing that God is going to be what keeps our youth. Not trying to upshot culture, but just trying to live in a spot where we say we love you, God loves you. Not only does God love you, God is real, and here's how he is real. Here's experiences so that you can see he is real. So as we pray, consider coming alongside us, making an impact. So I'll pray, and then I'll hand it over to Brother Eric. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this church family and the people who you have provided in my life as I've grown along the way. Oh, Lord, I know I'm still learning, and I know I don't have everything together, but I know you have provided me with people who are willing to come alongside me and to help me grow. And for each of our students, that's my prayer, that they will find the people who will lead them and who will grow with them, who will share with them, who will impact them, who will take the time necessary to love them, Lord, and show them that the God of the universe is not only real, but he cares about you, where you are down here in Buckingham County, in Prince Edward County, Virginia, Lord. We pray these things in your name. We love you. We can't wait to see the impact that you have through this generation, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen.